0: Joining us now is James Connor, a former Jesuit priest who's professor of English at Keene University in Union, New Jersey. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Dr. Connor.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, you've written a book, Kepler's Witch, about one of uh, history's most famous scientists, Johannes Kepler. Mm-hmm. Well, you have several degrees here. Uh, tell us about your background.
1: Well, um, I have a degree in... Uh in geoscience, I started off as a scientist. My father was a scientist, and um, I ended up uh, traveling all over the place. Uh, joined the Jesuits and was with them for a number of years. And uh, uh, I have degrees in theology and in um, uh, and in English and uh, philosophy. And it's just like typical Jesuits—you just get more degrees, and you know what to do with. <laughs> so you know, I start selling them on the street corners. I think after a while.
0: I guess Johannes Kepler is interesting to you from several different of your. Uh, Backgrounds.
1: Well, yeah, because he was the kind of guy who, <clears throat> he was caught in a time, uh, um, in a great uh, time of upheaval. It was probably, the, it was the birth of the world that we live in. Um, it was a time in which uh, the Protestants and Catholics were at war with one another. Uh, when he was born, uh, it was just after the great heyday of the, of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, he was a Lutheran and a very strong, uh, believing Lutheran. And um, and and he spent most of his life being thrown from thrown out of one city after another by the Counter Reformation, which was the Catholic uh, reaction to the Reformation. And the Emperor, oh, at first he was just uh, the local Duke, but he eventually became the Emperor. And he uh, he basically was out to, to to get the Catholic Church back on top again in Germany. And uh, he just. Uh, every now and then he would, he would call everybody together and say, okay, all you, anybody who wants to become Catholic, stand <laughs> over here. Anybody who wants to stay a Protestant, you're going to have to go over here, and then I'm going to boot you out of town. And he did this like three times with Kepler. And wow. Kepler kept saying, nope, I'm not going to do it, even after his own Lutheran church had excommunicated him. Uh, so he, they had excommunicated him because he disagreed with them on some, some theological detail.
0: Well, it sounds like he has a fascinating background from a theological perspective, being caught in the crossfire.
1: Oh yeah. Well, see, he was originally studied to be a Lutheran pastor. Yeah. And all, and while he was there, he learned about Copernicus, and he was given to uh, mathematics and puzzles, and and he was a very he was a basically a, a boy genius. He came from a, a family of eccentric geniuses, and his his mother was eventually tried for witchcraft, which is the Kepler's witch. Uh, she was tried for witchcraft because she, uh, she was also an eccentric genius and nobody liked her. And it was, she came from a very, she dis- came from probably, oh, I'd say probably one of the three or four most dysfunctional families I've ever heard of.
0: The title of your book refers to, uh, is certainly a unique fact about Kepler and the animals of great men of science. He was the only one who had defended his mother from charges witchcraft, of witchcraft.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, and they all thought he was crazy. Everybody who knew, who knew, uh, uh, Kepler, when he was growing up, he was one of these guys who would get an idea in his head, and he wouldn't back off to say anything. Wow! And he would—he would, that was it. It was right. It was all there was to it. And he did the same thing with his Lutheran faith. He he believed it, and he wasn't going to change.
0: Well, let's let's back up a second to, before we get into some of the more fascinating personal aspects Mm -hmm. and and just explain to people uh, why Kepler is such a big name. Uh, Isaac Newton once said, If I've seen further than other men, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. And without a doubt, one of the giants he was referring to had to have been Kepler. Well,
1: oddly enough, Kepler was the man he wasn't referring to, but Kepler was the man he ought to have referred to. I would say three or four of the main ideas of Newton, the, the most important discoveries that Newton made, Kepler had laid the groundwork for that. But... Newton was this terrible arch egotist who couldn't stand the fact that he owed so much to this guy Kepler, uh-huh. and um, uh, even his own friends said, "Hey, you're you're short you're you're uh, you're you're shortchanging this guy Kepler. You need to pay more attention to him when you're when you're giving giving out your thanks to people." He just he thought Galileo was great. I think one of the reasons everybody knows Galileo and few people know Kepler is that is that Galileo uh, not only because uh, Galileo fought with the Pope, which is always exciting uh but he uh but but Newton praised Galileo for years and 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 never said a word about Kepler
0: What that is interesting
1: Yeah it, he he, it, he didn't really owe that much to Galileo but he owed right. a lot to Kepler and right. I don't think he liked to I don't think he liked to admit it Um Kepler was um one of the four great founders of astronomy uh, of modern science he they are the
0: let's Let's go through these should we because uh
1: maybe I, there's I, five I would I, say five
0: i am guessing and you know, uh, i my guessing you're going to name Galileo Copernicus Newton Kepler, and Tycho brahe okay, perfect,
1: okay, those would be the five, the big five and kepler Kepler was one of them. Kepler was the first real theoretician
0: okay, the other four probably least famous of, of those five would be Tycho. can you tell us a little bit about about him and how much Kepler owes him?
1: Oh uh, Kepler owes him uh, a lot and he and he and he uh, said so too. Uh, he was Kepler's boss, his mentor. He was probably the greatest observer, scientific observer, in at that time.
0: He's been called the last, the last great pre-telescope astronomer. That's right. Yes. And he had uh, he
1: was a Danish nobleman, and he had his own island. Can you can you believe that? That was <laughs> it was given to him by the king, and he set up an observatory on this island and made all kinds of things. Of course, the, the local people hated him because he made them work so much. So they boot, you know, so, so then the new king came in and, and said, I don't like you anymore, so he booted Tycho Brahe out of there. And Tycho ended up being the, um, uh, ended up being the emperor's mathematician in Prague, which was uh, the, the Habsburg emperor, the great, this was um, the, the last parts of what you would used to call the Holy Roman Empire. And so he, he had probably the biggest science job in the world at the time. Yeah. And, um, and he brought Kepler on as his assistant. And Kepler worked with him for a year, and then Tycho, um, rather unfortunately, died. And so there's there's uh, uh, Kepler with this mountain of Tycho's um, uh, discoveries, and uh, he um, uh, is sitting there, and he uses them to formulate, to prove Copernicus, and to uh, formulate the three great planet laws that we remember him for.
0: Kepler set out to say, well, okay, who's right, Copernicus or, or the ancients? And he realized, oh my God, they're, they're both wrong.
1: Right, right. And uh, uh, but the thing is, he had invented his own system. He invented his own system, but it didn't quite work. He didn't. He wasn't ready to give up. Tycho was not ready to give up Earth-centered universe, and so yeah. he invented his and he kept wanting Kepler to, to use the observations to um, to back up his system, but Kepler couldn't. It, he couldn't make it work, and he did really. He didn't think it was right. Yeah. So he basically used those to back up Copernican.
0: So it's the, the first thing he did, I guess, was discover that the planets, no matter, the first problem you're going to have is that Copernicus and the ancients were wrong, that the planets do not move in circles.
1: That's right. Aristotle was this guy who believed in perfection. And he said the heavens are perfect and the earth is imperfect. And the heavens, um, the planets, go, go around the, the, uh, the earth in perfect circles because it's perfect but kepler realized that the heavens he was the first person to break with that and that was a major 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 change because he was he was he was the first person to say that the heavens aren't perfect
0: so he he just he decided they were actually not circles they were ellipses they were ellipses yeah and an
1: ellipse is not a perfect circle Right. So so he he pulled away from this Aristotelian idea of the of the perfection of the heavens and ended up with a with an idea that the the heavens were um moved us in the direction where we are today where the heavens are just another place. They're not the place where, where the angels and where God lives.
0: I guess the Kepler had a previous idea about how the solar system would work, uh, where planets were fit into different shapes, and he corresponded with Galileo on that right and the Galileo I guess responded favorably very friendly letter back, but then they didn't speak after that
1: Galileo was another person who was quite an egotist they were really different people. Kepler was a a, um, a theoretician he was a person who was always trying to come up with a model for the way things worked and his model was that his original model was the 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 the, the solids that plat- he wanted to find a, uh, a geometric model. so he took the different platonic solids which would be which would require you know like television to show you what that was like.
0: He fit the orbits into these different
1: shapes. He fit the orbits into those different shapes and, it, and everybody thought it was a brilliant idea. It was one of the first times anybody ever tried to actually say this is why the planets are the way they are uh-huh. And no one had ever done that. they were just trying to describe how the planets are the way they are and so he he had come up with the first real explanation now it was wrong but everybody everybody was amazed by it and galileo thought it was great and um and his teacher michael Mason, thought it was great uh, kepler's teacher all kinds of people thought it was the beginning of (laughs) kepler's Mm -hmm. career and that's why Tycho brahe hired him as his um, as his assistant
0: he takes uh, Tycho's uh, data, especially with Mars, and realizes no, they're in ellipses. And um, right. and not only that, I guess I guess he realized that um, things were speeding up and slowing down. I guess his second law is that, uh, that relates to that. That planetary orbits um, are very exacting, and when they're closer to the sun, they go faster. When they're further out, they go slower.
1: That's right. And he formulated that based on his uh, the first glimmering idea of a um, of, of gravity and that's where Newton really owes him a lot he was the first person to think that the sun had a kind of force of attraction in it Yeah, and he thought it was magnetism. So he was wrong, but he was he he took the ball right there to the to to the to you know two inches from the
0: end zone. Really, he's he's moving it from theology into basically physics. He moved it
1: into physics. He's the first one to really do that. This is why uh, um, uh, a lot of commentators on um, on Kepler, Arthur Kessler, and one of them, Arthur Kessler, wrote a book called called The Watershed and he looks at kepler as the guy who really moved us from the middle ages to the modern world and the odd thing is is that very few people really know his name you go down here to the air and space museum in in washington they've got they've got no pictures of him up they've uh-huh. got they've got nothing about him they never mention him there's galileo 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 sure. galileo but no, almost nothing about kepler
0: and kepler should get more credit
1: and he should get more credit and that's why i decided to write this book
0: we're speaking with Dr. James A. Connor, author of Kepler's Witch: An Astronomer's Discovery of Cosmic Order Amid Religious War, Political Intrigue, and the Heresy Trial of His Mother. Yeah, Michael Hart wrote a book about the 100 most influential persons' history. He ranked Kepler actually number 73. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, John Simmons wrote a book, very similar book on on scientists, the 100 most influential scientists. He he put him number nine, pretty 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 high ranking.
1: And yet, uh, the the average person in the street. Um, doesn't know his name, and I I find that that that's not really surprising because the average person in the street, you know,
0: that that right.
1: you know it has have, have large gaps in their knowledge of of history. But,
0: well, ho- hopefully your book will correct some of that. Well, I hope so. <laughs> hope so. Yeah. <laughs> your your provocative title refers to this unique fact about about his mother being tried. How how did how'd the trial turn out? Well, they
1: convicted her, and oh. they 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 basically convicted her because they were bound and determined to convict her. There was this neighbor woman. Her name was Ursula Reinbold, and Ursula Reinbold used to be a friend of Katerina Kepler's. The two of them were, were well fit to each other because they were both a couple of nasty oh, nasty old ladies is what they were. <laughs> Ursula Reinbold happened to be the local town prostitute. She had a bad reputation, and mm-hmm. um, she got into a, into a uh, business dispute with Katerina's son, other son, uh, her youngest son, and um, not, not Johannes. And um, the two of them ganged up on Reinbold and told her, you know, you know, you're the prostitute. Why should we believe anything you have to say, et cetera? And so, what they didn't understand it is that Ursula Reinbold had an ability to to hold a grudge longer than anybody in the world, and she hated them and she wanted to get them. Well, one day she comes down with an illness, and nobody really knows the nature of it. She was in a lot of pain.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, she was bewitched.
1: Well, yeah. So she said, "I'm bewitched." It was this it was this kepler woman who did it to me hmm. and what it turns out is that more than a lot of scholars today will argue that she took a lot of took a, a lot of potions to perform abortions on herself
2: because she get pregnant yeah
1: and it wasn't a good thing to have you know babies from who look all very different <laughs> in her family and so she was married and everything and so anyway uh, they, they suspect that that's what happened but she got sick and was sick for a very long time and she claimed it was Katharina Kepler. Well, she and her husband got to know the town magistrate, who was a crook, a guy by the name of Luther Einhorn, who was um, how do I describe him? He was a he was a suck up. He knew that they were politically connected, and that um, he could get he could get um, help from them. On his, and so he got on their side, and um, t- together they basically called poor little Katharina Kepler seventy year old woman into into his office and 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 threatened her life and um uh, they did all kinds of terrible things to her and and but they set it up they they basically worked the system to such a degree that that they got katerina kepler acu- not only accused of witchcraft but finally convicted of witchcraft and when she was, but but Johannes, who was at that time the the emperor's mathematician after Tycho died, he,
0: he could pull the, some strings, couldn't
1: he? he? Well, he didn't he didn't really have any strings to pull because because he wasn't really popular in his hometown. Oh. His hometown they hated him because he was a Copernican and he's because
0: he's caught up in this whole religious crossfire again.
1: You bet, and yeah. he had just been excommunicated because he wouldn't agree to some little minor point, which I don't want to get into. But he, by,
0: by the Lutherans or Catholics? By the Lutherans. Oh, okay. Oh,
1: yeah, you know, he would. He was a Lutheran, so he wasn't even a Catholic. So he, uh, he got excommunicated by the Lutherans and said, oh, well, too bad, I'm still a Lutheran. And he, uh, but he came running to her rescue and used every bit of political muscle he had with the emperor and with everybody else and said, I have, I know very important people and they have my, I have their ear and I will use whatever power I've got to defend my mother and So they couldn't really execute her they were going to oh they wanted to so badly so they what they did was because they didn't have enough real proof Uh they 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 did to her what they did to galileo which is to show her the instruments of torture and called her into a room where the executioner would shout at her for hours telling her repent repent confess your witchcraft and and uh you know or or we will use this the hot irons and he would stoke them up in the fire and point them at her and, and ter- basically they, they called it the terizio verbalis with latin which means the the terrorization by word they
2: were wow. terrorize
1: the old woman and at the end she she called their bluff she knelt down and she said in our father and she said god knows that i've done nothing wrong and um and do with me as you will he god will re- will, will Will uh, show me to be in the right and you to be in the wrong, and he'll punish you for your evil doing.
2: Well, good for her.
1: Yeah, she was tough. <laughs> she was. She was. A, now you know where her son gets it, right? <laughs> and so she, They. They said that she because she didn't confess, they couldn't actually execute her. Uh, worst thing you could ever do if you're listen. Rule number one for yourself: if you're uh-huh. ever accused of witchcraft, never confess.
0: Take the fifth.
1: Take the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so she, um, uh, they, but they, they, she was convicted. Yeah. On the basis of the trumped up evidence that they had, but they had to let her go. She tried to go home, and the people tried to to, to stone her to death, and so she she had to leave uh, and go off to another place. And she only lived a couple more months. She was a broken woman by that time.
0: Wow. Well, Kepler was both a religious man and a mystic and a scientist. Mm-hmm. I guess he earned money casting horoscopes for a while. Yes,
1: that was the biggest thing. He hated it. He absolutely hated it because he didn't believe in it. But there was money in it, right? right? So it's like it's like um, Stephen Hawking making most of his money off of <laughs> off of putting out you know the weekly horoscope column, right? <laughs> and he absolutely hated it. And every time somebody would come to him and say, "We want you to cast a horoscope for us." Uh-huh. Uh, which was essentially a math puzzle, really. You get certain kinds of data and you come up with all kinds of stuff. Right. And, and, and he would tell them, he'd give them these long sermons on why you shouldn't trust this stuff and why you shouldn't do that. Yeah, 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 sure, they'd say. You know, and, and <laughs> the emperor wanted him to do this for him. This was what half his job as the emperor's mathematician.
0: Right. Mathematician and astrologer.
1: And astrologer, yeah. Right. And he, and he's kind of like, oh, geez. <laughs> so anyway, um, the uh, uh, one of the, my, my favorite stories about him is, this famous uh, general, Habsburg general, Wallenstein, who, the, who was the bane of the Protestants, he was he was the most successful general that the emperor had. He, he was able to defeat Protestant armies right and left. Okay, and he was famous all over. He became a you know nobleman, and, and he was just an ordinary guy, the son of some you know middle class guy, but he was raised up to the nobility, and he was given all kinds of money, and he married some rich woman, and he was it was the top of his game. And he sends this emissary in the middle of the night to go see Kepler and ask him to 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 um, to cast a horoscope for, for an anonymous patron, you know, who, who and he gives the date of the person's birth and he says he's a famous man. Kepler already knew who it was. Right. <laughs> so he casts this perfectly accurate horoscope based upon this guy's personality. And uh-huh. he even puts a little couple of little barbs in there about the guy, right? Uh-huh. And and the guy is like, This is brilliant.
0: Your Uncannily team. accurate.
1: So he so he hires him, right? To yeah. become his he, he takes him on as his patron and just and gives him a house and all this stuff and, and you know, and Kepler just you know, he basically had, he basically had good uh, he had good intelligence, right? Right. <laughs> Before Wallenstein sent this the secret emissary, that's one of those great little moments in history. You
0: know? Well, I think I think, uh, I think uh, numerous astrologers and Mr. Yuri Geller is taking a page from that same playbook even today.
1: <laughs> maybe so, yeah, maybe so. But uh, uh, he was it was it was the end really of astrology. Finally, Newton is I'd say more than anybody else is the one who killed astrology. He hated it, although he was an alchemist. He he did practice alchemy. He was trying to make gold out of lead.
0: Yes, yeah. People don't realize Newton did have a lot of a lot of, I mean, he was a, he was probably the greatest scientist in history. But he spent a lot of time on the Book of Daniel and and and. and he was a, a very strange guy. Yes, he was. He
1: was, you know, we would have looked at him today, and we would probably put him on Thorazine, <laughs> no doubt about it. We look at scientists like Einstein as being these normal, like mildly eccentric, sweet guys, right? Well. <laughs> Not a lot of them were. I mean, um, uh, the scientists in Kepler's day, and just after Kepler's day, had these giant egos. And they were all very self-serving. Galileo was terrible. He would make fun of people who disagreed with him, and he would attack them, and he was nasty to them. And that's why he had so many enemies. That's basically why they got him.
0: Final question, Heffrey. You're the co-founder of the Kepler Society in America right. here right. with NASA scientist David Koch, who I guess yes. is working on the Kepler missions. Which are right.
1: We're we're just getting this started. Yeah. It's a it's a, um um David and I are both interested in in, in building a kind of place where people can uh, not a place but a, an organization where people can come together. People who are artists, people who are scientists, people who are philosophers, religious people, theologians can come together and discuss the relationship between science, religion, and culture. And uh, there's a big discussion going on in America today about science and religion. A lot of it is pretty bogus. A lot of the creationists and things like that. Thank you. My problem with Thank them you. was that their, that their stuff was so too, far too simplistic, far too simple mm-hmm. for it to be an, a really decent discussion. And there are other people like the Templeton Foundation who are really trying to work hard to build this kind of thing. And... And we're we're um, we're trying to build an organization whose main purpose is to is to be a place where people can come and uh and and talk about what the relationship between science, religion, and the general humanities culture would be, and 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 maybe we'll come to a consensus with it.
0: Well, I hope you. I certainly hope so. It's a worthy endeavor.
1: Well, we'll send you an application.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dr. Connor, thanks so much for coming and talking to us about one of history's great scientists, Johannes Kepler. The book is titled Kepler's Witch, an Astronomer's Discovery of Cosmic Order Amid Religious War, Political Intrigue, and the Heresy Trial of His Mother. And we'd recommend everyone go out and grab, grab a copy. You bet. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Connor, thanks so thanks, much. Thanks very Alrighty. much. Appreciate Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Once again, that was Professor James A. Connor of Keene University in Union, New Jersey. All right, we are out of time. Our thanks once again to Ambassador Joseph Wilson and to Dr. James Connor. Both fabulous guests, both guests we ought to have on again and hopefully will. Uh, I can hardly believe our good fortune here at uh, Radio Parallax for you, the listener. It looks as though on next week's program we're going to have both humorist P.J. O'Rourke and journalistic legend Bill Moyers. If you would have asked me at any point along the way uh, who would you like to have on this program, Bill Moyers would have certainly been in the top handful of choices, and we're going to make that happen next week. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. This has been Radio Parallax. Now, stay tuned for Todd.